Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. I'm Mari, and I'm here with my co-host, John and Craig. So the three of us are kind of just sitting here in awe this morning. We're very excited, and we're we're asking the Holy Spirit to come. As you know, in the family room, we always rely on the Holy Spirit, but today we are truly relying on the Holy Spirit because we've got two amazing, powerful um, servants of God with us this morning, and we are so excited to introduce them to you, it, um, let them introduce themselves and introduce them more to you. This morning, we've got Sister Brige McKenna and Father Pablo Escriva de Romani, who are both here um, with us. They are actually giving talks here in Atlanta, missions. They're serving here in Atlanta just during this week. They've been at St. Jude, and they will be at a couple of other places, but they both have beautiful hearts and love for the family, for marriages, for God's children, for healing, uh, just for so many things. So we're going to get into a little bit more about them in a minute. But as you all know, here on The Family Room, we always open in prayer. So, John, would you open us up in prayer this morning? I will. Start in the name of the Father, Amen. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for this morning, for this day. Sometimes... You just lay in front of us things that we don't expect and they're beautiful and they're awesome and we forget to pay attention. And this morning you've given us gifts and we just ask that you pour your Holy Spirit out upon this conversation. If there's just one person this morning listening that, that you want to touch, then touch that person. But if it be your will, touch as many as are listening and, and let the healing and the love and the wisdom that you've instilled in, in our guests this morning just pour out on us and on the listeners and on everyone that we speak and touch today. Father, we ask this blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Praise you. Praise God. So, Father, Sister, we always ask, you know, a lot of times faith journeys are important because we all come from different backgrounds and different areas, and some people had families that were extremely devout Catholic and became nuns and priests. Other people did not. We'd like to just hear everybody's story and then maybe a little bit opening on how you got into your current ministries because we recognize in the family room uh, Ephesians 5 and 6. We lay them down next to each other, and it's kind of funny how Paul wrote them that way. Marriage and how do you deal with marriage? And, oh, by the way, you're in a spiritual battle. What's going on in that spiritual battle? Why are they having to put the two together? kind of interesting. So, uh, Father Pablo, how did you discern your ministry coming into the priesthood? You know, was there a big family background that led you there? What was, what's your story? Hello, Craig. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's a joy being here. I think I had the blessing of the most beautiful family I could ever imagine. We're eight in our families. My parents are true saints. That's something that a, a kid needs to know because you always have two dangers. Either a family that is broken or a family that it's too good. So for the listeners, sometimes when you have a family that it's too good, you see your parents and you don't realize that they already went through all of their struggles. Uh -huh. And when you try to imitate them and, and you see that they're just perfect to you, you might fall there. You might fall into a perfectionism that really strikes you. And whoever is listening, I would love to tell him, look, your parents did a good job, but they had to go a long way. And that's why it's important for the youth 
not to try to imitate them because they have to go through their own path, but to really develop that love. You have to honor that love by being who you are. Mm. So in my case, in my in the family, it was just amazing. I have a, a sister. She's a nun in a convent. My younger brother, he just entered in the seminary in oh. New Orleans. Oh, wow. The rest of the five of them are all married, beautiful families they have, and and I miss them a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, Father Pablo, we didn't say that you're actually from Madrid. Yes. Yeah, and yes. you've served all over the world. God's taking you to Germany and currently in Costa Rica, right? Yeah. As Sister Bree said, in the jungles of Costa Rica, I believe, right? Yeah. I used to work with youth when I was in Madrid in a beautiful parish from there. I had this call to go to missions. I was in Ukraine for two years and a half. Mm. And two years ago, I was called to come to Costa Rica, to the jungles. But seeing people in Ukraine, seeing I worked with the auxiliary bishop there and with the priests and seeing them in bomb shelters uh, giving their lives nowadays. Mm. I mean, I, I've seen because I had to give the spiritual exercises to the priests there. Yeah, I've seen them snoring uh, while they were praying. And <laughs> I mean, uh, priests that were really ordinary. No. And when this comes, they stay there to lay down their lives. Mm. And that's amazing, no, to see how the church responds. No, but coming back to the question, no, uh, this laying down my life, I realized when I was 23, more or less. Well, I had a girlfriend for five years. And and it was beautiful because she was like a garden angel for me not to do stupid things. So <laughs> I think it was something that the Lord gave me in such a beautiful way. But at the same time, uh, when I was 23, 24 years old, I liked skiing and one of my friends died skiing. Oh, wow. wow. And I remember he went to missions and he had a beautiful picture uh, with a little African boy in his hands. And when I was in the funeral, I was thinking if it was I who died. What have, I, what have I done with my life? Mm. I've been all of my life just enjoying it because I enjoy it. But did I lay down my life? What could it be said of me if I die right now? Mm. Now, that stroked me really yeah. hardly. No, and, and I remember I asked now that we have contacts in heaven and I have a good friend there, please help us friends to do things that are really worth doing in life. No. So I remember next morning I received a call from an aunt of mine. She told me, well, you're going to find this call very strange, but I found a missionary priest and he's going to go back to Dominican Republic. And I was thinking about you. Why wouldn't you want to go? And do you want to go there? I'm like, what? Wow. So I went there and there was where I realized that in Dominican Republic I had nothing, but I had everything. Mm. And in Madrid I had everything. I mean everything and I felt I had nothing and I didn't know why I'm like sorry my lord I'm spoiled because I don't know why I cannot thank you this and afterwards I realized it, it was because I was really well made my heart was seeking for infinite and that only him can fill no yeah. so that's more or less how I realized that God was calling me and after two or three coincidences with gospels I realized he was calling me to priesthood, which is which was the thing that I was more afraid of, going to the priesthood. I mean, I always thought about a priest. Yes, you don't have a girlfriend, you don't have a job, go to the seminary. 
No. <laughs> that's, that's the idea I had of Please see. Imagine. No, yes, poor man. He's he a good priest. He couldn't get a girl if he tried. Huh? Exactly. He would be a priest. Exactly. So, a girl or a job, either one. So that's more or less what no, I No, it's a beautiful story. What yeah. about you, sister? Well, mine is a lot different, but the same call. I grew up in a family, a small family in Northern Ireland. I had a happy childhood. I Everything was beautiful. I was the only girl. So I kind of had the rule of the house. <laughs> but on Christmas Day, um, my there was a tradition, there's a tradition in Ireland, you know, that that you go to midnight mass and the wife usually often would would not go with the younger children She'd get breakfast. So breakfast after midnight mass, a big tradition. So my mother didn't come to midnight mass, but I went with my dad and brothers. And while I was away, my youngest brothers to at home, my mother got a stroke oh. very suddenly. It wasn't expected. She was fine when we left and I didn't want to go. And she she said, my dad, she said to my dad, take her with you. And you know, I was 13, 12 and she died on Christmas Day mm. suddenly. Oh, no. But, you know, I look back now and I, I often say that, you know, God doesn't give you the grace when when for things ahead. He gives it to you when you need it Be- mm-hmm. because my dad was in a desperate state. My mother was only 43, 44. Mm. But that night I went to, at my cousin's house and it was there that I thought it was my mother that said to me, don't worry. I just heard this voice and I was crying. I was with my first cousin. My dad sent me there because we have these, we did enormous wakes, you know, three days celebration, mm. which is beautiful in one way because it's during the morning time and it helps the family and they come from all over. And it was during that night that I heard don't worry, Preach, I'll take care of you. Mm. And you would say, well, that must have been my mother because I was pretty wild. And the next morning <laughs> I woke up and I said, I'm going to be a nun. And my cousin said, oh, not at all. It's all in your mind because your mother died. And it was like a seed that was probably there. But it was that this, this, like a, a, a tapestry, it, it happened that through the darkness, the light, little light, and I never told anybody except my first cousin. And I went back to school and I used to get this idea and I thought, I don't want to be a nun, get all my hair cut off. Those days you shaved it all. I want not lovely hair. <laughs> I mean, mine was very worldly. So I went to school. I never mentioned it. I went to the Portler nuns and they were at a big school. And I kept asking my grandmother because I used to stay with my grandmother a lot. And I'd say, Granny, do you like nuns? Oh, she said, I knew Mrs. So-and-so. She's an ugly daughter and she sent her to the convent. <laughs> so I said, all the you get, can't get dates and you're ugly, you got to be in a guy. And then you couldn't get a boyfriend. <laughs> but anyway, I knew the only person I needed to say yes was my father because I needed permission. So I went to the convent first and investigated before I told my dad. <laughs> and I arrived at the convent at 14 and three months or something to the poor Claire's. I dropped out of school, went, pretended I had a ghost someplace and I went up to the Portlaw Convent I knocked at the door and they ushered me in and they said oh child what do you want I said I want to see the Mother General oh. I knew the top <laughs> wow so when I go and she said child what do you want I said I want to be a nun and she said oh how old are you I said I'm 14 a little a little bit and it sounded better so <laughs> she said oh I'll come back later so I'm back two weeks later I thought <laughs> She never wrote to me for two weeks. She, she must have made up her mind. So back I go. And she said, oh, child, I meant later. But she said, I'll take you in 
as a candidate, you know, to see was I real. So she said, but your father has, does your father know? I said, no, not yet. So <laughs> my grandmother I was staying with, so I was afraid to send her. So I went to see my father. And, you know, I, I, I often look back. My father was a simple Irish farmer. He didn't get a lot of education. He went to high school and that was it. But he worked on the farm. And I went over and he had two beautiful horses. He was out ploughing on the side of a hill, I remember. I walked across and I said, Daddy, you know, I have something to ask you. I want to be a nun. And he looked at me and he says, you do? What do you what I have to do for you? He wasn't one bit worried about me going. <laughs> he said, my other uncles who had daughters, and I thought he was crazy letting his child go to the convent. So I told him I needed a diary. That's all in those days. And my aunt would take, help me get whatever else I needed. And I entered and uh, at 15 and a half, he gave me away then as a bride. Beautiful mm. wedding gown and everything. That was the beginning. At 16, I made my vows. Now, did I know what I was doing? Not really. But I tell people, you know, people tell you after when they're in the priesthood or marriage, oh, sister, I didn't know what I was doing. But I said, well, neither did I, but I grew into it. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And then I afterwards is when I got the arthritis when I was 17. And then I discovered, you know, Jesus, as a little kid says, Jesus is brilliant. <laughs> he knows what's going ahead of you. So if I hadn't entered at 14 and a half or 15, I wouldn't have been professed because I was professed at 16. But once I made my vows, they had to keep me. And here they diagnosed me with this crippling disease. And the Mother General said, well, you got in in time because you're ours now. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That had your protection. I had the protection. So I spent almost a year in that hospital. And then I spent the rest of my temporary profess, which was three years, in Plaster Paris. Wow. Cast every night to keep my feet from, because I was only growing, I was only in my teens, you know. I finished with the last thing. Then it, it never bothered me, or I never thought of asking Jesus to heal me. Because I thought, you offer these things up, go to Lourdes. But I couldn't go to Lourdes. But then I got an offer. And some nun who said, you know, we had sisters in Florida. And it was very hard to get volunteers. So she said, oh, Breach, you should go to Florida. The weather in Florida is beautiful. The sunshine will help your arthritis. I thought, great. Never thought of Jesus. Go to the missions. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd go for the sunshine. <laughs> so uh, I, you had to volunteer. Nobody wanted to go because it was so far away then. This is uh, over 54 years. Right. So I volunteered. The next day they said, you're going. So I was really looking forward to getting completely healed with the sunshine of the sky. I arrive in Florida in September 1967, all wrapped up in the old habit and... I got off the plane in Tampa and I thought, this has to be hell. It was so hot. <laughs> it was so bad. Coming from Ireland going to Florida, I can imagine. September. And we had no air conditioning. Oh, wow. And I said, that nun told me a bunch of lies. But <laughs> I stayed there because I had no money and I couldn't go home. And, and I, was, I had 56. The first week there, 56 children, 45 of them Cuban. Rest of the story is that I met Jesus, even though I was a nun. I knew about Jesus and I I think I loved him, yes. But there's a difference in knowing about him. You can love some somebody that you know about, but when you meet him personally and fall in love, it's like meeting the man of your life.
Oh, that's beautiful. So that's my story. That it's is a beautiful so story. Beautiful. And I love the ending, too. Yeah, that's great. So, listeners, if you are just tuning in, you are here in the family room, and we are here today with Sister Brige McKenna and Father Pablo Escriva de Romani. You know, in both of your stories, what's so wonderful is that you had family members who obviously were open to the Holy Spirit as well, because they both, in both cases, you know, you had an aunt who obviously God spoke to your aunt and led her to this mission for you to go and serve in, and your father plowing on the side of the, in his fields, and God just gave him the grace and the presence of mind and the peace to be able to tell his only daughter that he would support you. That's that's incredible. I think his parents so many times we have our own agenda for our children and we have our own vision of what we want our children to do or to be. And we forget to stop and say, God, what do you want for our children? And let me be open to wherever you're leading my children. John, you look like you have a question. No, no, no. I was, I was stuck. Honestly, sister, this is a very devout thought. I was stuck on the fact that there are as a significant population in Florida today that is there because they got there and didn't have any money or anywhere else to go. And so they're still there. And it's, made, and it's a great state. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I have to say that in, after all these years in Florida, of course, traveling a lot, but I love Florida. I know that I should say, unfortunately, you couldn't pick up an American accent in Florida because there's nobody from Florida. <laughs> right. They're all blow-ins. <laughs> and uh, I'm so happy that it's the headquarters of my the ministry that I'm in now for all these years and that Father Pablo, who um, is now part in the team, that uh, he's not very far away. Costa Rica isn't very far when you think about it. He could have been away over in Spain. Mm -hmm. And I have many great friends. So each of you clearly on a path, uh, passionately in love with your God and, and trusting him in different ways. But now you're together. How did you get together? Wow. That's a big story. <laughs> we love big stories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... As Mary was saying before, no, uh, the Holy Spirit works in every way. Mm -hmm. And normally God talks through normal people. Mm -hmm. Normality is a good sign. When you have to elevate yourself to somewhere, you have to really think if it comes from God or if it comes from you, because God loves incarnation. No, so, yes, yes. so there are like three places where God talks really big time. No one, of course, is in the Bible. When you have a reading and you realize that hey, this is for me. And the other one is in the sacraments. So when you're in, at mass and you hear the priest talking and, he, and you say, why is this guy talking directly to me? You look around <laughs> or in the radio, you hear this program and you say, are they talking about me? What's happening here? No. And then in history, in history, I mean, you got your uncle that could talk to you or your dad or... It could be even, I had a rock band and I started realizing that the songs that we were singing, I started singing to God. Oh. And I'm like, how can I sing an Aerosmith song to the Lord? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. No, it's crazy. I, no. I, I do, yes. <laughs> so you realize that everything is being anointed. Why? Because God is calling you. Now, in that, um, I just arrived to Costa Rica. I was going to give my life in the jungle and I was so happy. And then COVID. Mm. And with COVID, I became a useless priest. Why? Mm. Because we could move. I was there in the chapel all day long with the bishop. He's a true saint, the Bishop of Limon. He's an amazing man. 
and and we had uh, we had to know what to do. I remember one day he was just fixing a room with all of these cupboards and things, and I said, "Can I help you?" And he said, "No." And I said, why? And he says, because you're taking the only thing I can do in the day. So <laughs> do something and find something to do. It's your own project. This is my job. <laughs> exactly. So it was beautiful to go to the chapel and say, Lord, here is your useless priest. Mm. I love Nazareth, but I never realized it, it was going to be so hard not to do. No, And we're sometimes so full of activities that we don't realize that the Lord wants you just for who you are. And there... My family knew Sister Bridge, and I received this beautiful testimony she gave one day, and this alarm in me came and said, why is this nun talking about me? <laughs> and then I realized I had to call her. So I called an aunt of mine, another aunt. This is about aunts. you got great aunts. Oh, yes, I do. I do, I do. And, and I told, do you think, because... I didn't receive that year spiritual exercises. I was the one giving in Limon. So I said, do you think Sister Beach could give me spiritual exercises? Can I go to see her? And and she said, well, let me call. And there is where I call her. Yes. And I had been working with Father Kevin Scallon. He was yes. here with me the mm -hmm. last time. And Father Kevin myself had worked for nearly 43 years worldwide. And he was wonderful priest work. He was from the same back, a big family, 15 of them and very Catholic. And he had all these things that when when Father Pablo talked about being normal, he was normal. He loved gadgets. He loved food. He had a great sense of humour. But most of all, he really loved Jesus. He loved the priesthood. He had an extraordinary um, tender heart for for the Lord's work and for priests and ministering. And we met. And uh, so we did all this work and he came here to Atlanta, was the was one of the places where we give the mission. And he wasn't well then, but and it was six months later, he just lay down and died. Mm. He, he wasn't sick. He didn't want to be sick. He didn't want to go back to Ireland to be in an old folks home. So, you know, Jesus takes you at your word. He said, OK, Kevin. So he, I... <laughs> <laughs> on a Sunday morning, he he couldn't say mass because he didn't feel well the one day, ever because he never missed mass, and uh, I brought him Holy Communion. Jackie and myself, the girl that she was 25, 35 years, Jackie and myself went down, and we talked with him, and he was in great form, but he was sick, you know, not well. He didn't know what was wrong with him. We prayed with him, gave him Holy Communion, gave him a big hug, and told him we'd see him in the morning, and the next morning. I went down and I found him lying dead on the side of the bed. Mm. But, you know, I think he had a premonition. So after he died, I thought, well, you know, we had the funerals and everything's over and I come back and have all these invitations to fulfill. So I thought, well, you know, I, I know the Lord will help me because I ministered before to priests all over Latin America before I started working with him. And I thought, I don't know if I can do it now, but I'll have a go at it. So, you know, it's like going out with one arm missing because at the retreats, I had to look for a priest. And he says, a preacher, I don't want to talk at the mass. Give the homily. I'm making the retreat. So I had stubborn priests who said, he came on the retreat and <laughs> no. not give a homily, but to listen to the retreat. <laughs> then I had, I had them all, one priest up to renew the grace of ordination. I had the whole schedule. And then the intercession is a program Father Kevin founded 
But he founded it not to stop what he did, but to keep going. I need a core group. So I had to encourage the core group. The intercession will go on and I'll be there. I'm like, what do you call me, the mother superior? But anyway, <laughs> so, but I did pray and I thought maybe after a year or so, I just do small things. And yet I prayed and people kept saying to me, God is going to send you somebody. And I would talk to Father Kevin. And when Father Pablo came the first time, first of all, I said, you know, he said the spiritual exercise. I don't give spiritual exercises to priests. That's the Jesuits do. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I, I received Father. I don't know if you're familiar with the Marian servants. They're down in, they're here, but they're yeah. also in Clearwater, Clearwater yeah. beautiful retreat center. And I brought Father Pablo down. I said to him now, I wasn't too upset about where he was going to stay. I have a lovely little place because I said, well, if he's in the jungle, we're better in the jungle. <laughs> so the, the, the accommodations isn't too bad. But I brought him to the house of prayer. And I have to tell you that it was at the Pentecost mass that the people were in awe. And they kept saying to me, where did you find this priest? And we it was a very touching mass because at the mass when father held up the, ho- the chalice and the host, we saw like a, a flame, not one, but we all saw it. And they were all saying to me, you know, that priest is really special. Where did you get him? Don't want to give him a... You're <laughs> <laughs> getting a big head Anyway, over then, um, but, he le- but it was lovely while he was there. And um, circumstances brought him back because his brother was, was going to the seminary and he was back with me for some days. And I was given the priest retreat in Venice, the diocesan retreat, on my own, that they asked me to give so father stayed on but he came down with Jackie drove me down and the day before he left I was in the chapel at adoration and I have a great belief I tell people all the time when they say where do you get your energy and you know how do you keep going because I'm doing so long and I say I live with Jesus you couldn't live with a better person (laughs) he's next door to me body blood soul and divinity he's real I said so I was in and I was talking to Jesus I said just having a wonderful chat with Jesus in adoration. And, you know, sometimes it, God can use ideas or a thought just comes into your mind that is totally part of anything you're thinking about. Well, just as if I heard this voice drop into me and said, I sent Pablo, my priest, to you. He will teach you much about the priesthood and together you will minister for my priests and people. And I don't know what else. And I remember being startled and I thought, I could be his mother. I was half my age. I thought, could it be possible? So I go out to Jackie, who, you know, is like a daughter. Sister, to before you get to Jackie, you may have the energy to go on, but you've got us pooped out. We got to take a break and we're going to regroup. And then we're going to go right back to Jackie. Is that a good plan? Yeah, but she's a good plan. (laughs) We'll come right back to the family room sponsored by Versprite with Mari, John and Craig right after this. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. 
please consider making a monthly donation to the Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160, The Quest. We're here with Sister Bridge McKenna and Pablo Escriva de Romani. Father. Is that right? What That's I said? right. Father. Father Pablo. Oh, my fault. I didn't say father. <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> Sister, when we went into break, you were finishing up a story. Would you please go ahead? Yes. I, I was saying the story about how Father Pablo how the, this team were put together by the Lord because I got this, uh, I would call it prophetic word, saying that uh, he was sent and that together we would minister. And it was similar to what happened to me with Father Kevin because it happened the same, but I was over in EWTN. There was no EWTN at the time uh, when that same kind of an experience that Jesus said to me, uh, he was going to send me to a priest and that I would come to know him and we would travel the world and minister. Well, I was a lot younger then. So <laughs> when I got this word, I said to Jackie, is it possible he's a missionary in Costa Rica? I knew by him because in the time that I've been with him in the sense of humanist love for the Lord, that it was everything that in my life would be easy to uh, work together. So I said it to Father Pablo. I left it with him and uh, he can take over <laughs> <laughs> imagine no because 
I know that something comes of the Lord if you're under obedience. Because yeah. we are children of the church. So I wouldn't move without my father, who's the bishop. Right. So in this moment, I had a mission impossible, which was Bishop of Costa Rica, Cardinal of Madrid, and spiritual director. Wow. Uh, so if it came from God, it had to go through all of those three. And the Bishop of Limon, we are 25 priests in a diocese that goes from Nicaragua down to Panama. Oh, wow. So it's humongous. We don't have priests. So when I went there and I talked with the bishop, I said, well, I've known this sister called uh, Sister Bridge, and she works to minister for priests. And he stopped me without being able to say anything else. And he says, you know what I think? I said, what? I think your call is to minister with this sister. Wow. I'm <laughs> like, what? You didn't even ask him. Didn't even ask him. Wow. And I said, but Monsignor, are you saying that I'm working here and in my free time go with her? He said, no, the opposite. Work with her and then in your free time you can wow. come here. Wow. And then I went to Madrid. The cardinal said, okay. And my spiritual director also thumbs up. And so this is the true call of God. It's like playing Tetris. No, you know that thing that is missing <laughs> yeah. for everything yeah. to go. Click, 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 click. No, that's exactly what happened. No. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yes. And, it, and I have to say that um, I met uh, Father Pablo's um, bishop. I, I went down to, uh, to Costa Rica. But I think it's very interesting. One of the things that I have worked with priests uh, for all these years and Father Kevin and myself uh, always felt that so many priests have no place to go to be renewed or no place, you know, and they always say about the intercession, what a pity it's not, we, we couldn't go because it's only a, a week or a month, you know, in different countries now, we're in several countries. But I always had in the back of my mind, it's interesting, a dream that when priests come to me, like I get calls from priests here in the United States or, you know, different countries, and they say, you know, the bishop told me I can take time off, but I have no place to go, mm. like to get renewed. Not they're leaving the priesthood. And and Father Pablo, when he was with me, before he knew about talking about, he was giving me this beautiful outline of what he was doing in Costa Rica, that he was building this older monastery or place for three things. And one was for the renewal of the holiness of the priesthood and for family life mm. and for young people. Mm -hmm. But he, he he was starting off well because he had no money. <laughs> Best way. Mother Angelica says, that's the only way God's going to give you money is when you don't have it and you depend on him and trust in him. So when I was down there and I've seen what he's doing and how people are coming forward, you know, and I think to myself, at long last, I'm going to be able to say to some of these poor younger priests, you know, there's going to be a beautiful house for you where you can go and be renewed. So pray for it, and all you listeners pray, because um, it's a, a need in many places, because we all criticize and tear the priests apart and say how bad they are. But, you know, the priesthood of Jesus is perfect. But these are the vessels, and we, the lady, have to take care of the vessels because they're containing the gift that we all need so desperately, because we can't have mass, we can't have... And the church wouldn't exist without the priesthood. So that's why uh, when Father told me this, I thought, well, isn't that interesting that he would bring him from all the way from Spain and to, together for a project and a work that my heart was into. 
And our and the blessing for us is that both of you have such a beautiful heart, not only for the priesthood, but for, yeah. for, families, for families. For families. And yes. so that's one of the reasons we have you on today is talking about that. And and I noticed in your mission too, you know, sister, when you were just talking about the priests, they are the vessels, they bring us the sacraments. In your missions, one of the beautiful ways you bring Jesus to everyone is to remind us of the beauty of Jesus in the sacraments, in the Eucharist, in reconciliation, and the healing power that comes. So we're going to ask you about that a bit as well. But here on the family room, we always have a tradition of talking about when we talk about families is your own family. So do you have a favorite memory of how you spent time in your family of origin, like your, when you were growing up, how you spent time in your family room? Well, let me say that I had a father who was the best storyteller. Ah, We bought, I know you had them in Ireland, comic books, you know. Yes. Yes. Well, in Ireland, the bread man used to bring the comic books. <laughs> and my father, those comic books, half of what he told us wasn't in them. <laughs> <laughs> but he would he would sit us down at the smaller ones, you know, and he'd tell us these stories, but he'd make them up. And I said, somebody said to me, Bridge, you're a great storyteller. I said, yeah, but mine are real. His were all half made up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the memories. The other memory I have which isn't tradition any longer, even in many families, was the family rosary. Mm. You know, our faith was very integrated into the farm. The, everything that was needed, you prayed at the rosary with the trimmings of the rosary. And my memory is of my father hanging over the back of the chair with the rosary beads and us laughing and him saying, be quiet, just in the rosary. <laughs> you know, normal, normal things. But it's a lovely memory to see your parents praying and and we didn't have a lot I mean but we had a lot of fun because we played football and I horrify people when I tell them and my father you know we used to kill our own pigs and everything and maybe you don't know <laughs> but the bladder of the pig makes a great football huh? and I told the American kids this they said oh my god where did you come from what primitive place did you come from <laughs> Father said, Pablo looks horrified right now yeah, uh, it's like kicking bacon <laughs> but when I look back at it you know and, and the things uh, we rode horses out we did a lot with pet goats so I had lots of family memories that uh, that were good but that was one that when I came to America and somebody said did you play football I said yeah and I told them how we got the football <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> I said, so many one-liners right now and I'm going to have to leave I, I just got to go and then I have to go to confession. You're in a good place. Don't worry. Oh my God. We're not going to ask you to top that, Father Pablo, but no, do you have a thought? <laughs> what part of the pig did you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, surely not God forgive me. I think the, the best moments were Christmas when we were they're all gathered and praying the rosary, as Sister says, and especially the day of Christmas. I remember that there was a big hall, so the doors were closed and we had to line up because the three kings just came and packed with gifts that whole room. And I remember that uh, we put the la the night before we put carrots for the camels and it was such a joy and such a thrill opening the door and seeing that the carrots were bitten by the camels. <laughs> it was amazing to see that. And we are eight, so we always do a row beginning with the uh, youngest to the old elder one until we open that door to see that room. No, and it was beautiful there beautiful that that memory i 
I also remember that one of those days preparing the Christmas, I don't know how you call it, we call it uh, Nacimiento, uh, where you get this uh, statues of the whole scene of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you have to prepare all that with the family and, and it's great. So I had a, one of my brothers got a football and kicked the ball in the middle of the oh. place. The nativity scene. Yes, and he was like the best child ever. He never did anything wrong. He was the only brother who never did anything wrong. So we were like, wow, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> he also do, does things wrong. No, so, that's great. <laughs> well, you keep talking about being normal, so I'm glad to see he was normal and not, uh, yeah. uh, not totally saintly. Um, Beautiful stories. I mean, what I love what you both said is a couple things, you know, not doing being. So just sitting, sister talked about sitting with the Lord. Um, you know, so often we avoid adoration or we avoid sitting because we don't know how to communicate because to your point, sister, we're very cerebral and we don't have that, that love and that, that the love affair with Christ. But it sounds like you, Father, are bringing that to couples you have a ministry with young married couples. How are you working with them and getting them to a point of kind of recognizing Christ and God in the Trinity, being married with them and being central to all of that? Pretty loaded question, but... Wow. It's like explaining the biggest gift that you can ever receive in five minutes. But you, but, but you look like you can do it. That's why I asked you. <laughs> Well, I think the best gift uh, a matrimony can give is forgiveness mm. because it's a way to recognize that you are not God, you are not my plan, you're not just the one who makes me feel good, you're also the one who will make me give my life. Wow. You're also the one who is there for me to recognize that I am small and I need to be loved and that I mess up and at the same time through that there's a thread that if you don't dare it will never be broken that thread sometimes it's like a big channel and sometimes it's just a small thread that keeps us together and we don't know if tomorrow it will last yeah. <laughs> but at the same time you s you realize that is grace and it's much bigger than what you thought no so when you are in a matrimony you will have to realize it's not just how intense, intensely we love because there are some loves that are not very intense and are really deep. I cannot put examples because it's just five minutes. But <laughs> some other loves, um, it's not about my idea of who you have to be. Mm. And I have to discover that because sometimes my plan didn't go that way and I don't know how to love any other way. But having you in front of me I might be able to dare myself to rehearse something different than my plan. No, mm. So it's a beautiful way of uh, living providence in the daily life. And at the same time, our matrimony is not what people think about it. Oh, you're such a lovely family or whatever, because we can end up just being lovely for others. Mm. And uh, I've seen so many marriages that are lovely outside, but then they go back home and don't touch me. No. Yeah. And that's sad because why do you know how to be so good outside? And and then you you don't know me here. We're just living a role and you're much more than a role. So all of those epochs go by 
And when you realize that you're much more than that, that is called matrimony. No? If you're just joining us, you're listening to The Family Room uh, on the Quest Atlanta, and we're talking to Sister Breeze McKenna and Father Pablo Escriva de Romani. And so we're going to go right back into that, if we could, Father, because I believe there's no coincidences, right? So to talk about a family ministry and to talk about matrimony and to be associated with a, a holy woman who is known for healing that there must be a connection there somewhere. Do those ministries cross at all? Like the healing and, and into your marriage? And not your marriage. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, the, the biggest healer, the only healer, which is Jesus, uh, needed a family called mm. Bethany. Got it. Mm. And the priests need Bethany. That's why there's no such thing as a separate vocation priesthood consecrated life and matrimonies have to go so much together that we priests need family we need all of you and we need to see how you give your lives i mean people think that i have merit by going up to the jungle but i see my my brother waking up at four o'clock in the morning and i see that's worse than any snake up in the jungle <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> The so you're saying we sacrifice in marriage too. Absolutely, yeah. much more than I do up there in the jungle. And people say, oh, what a marriage. No, no, what a marriage. My brother. That's yeah. true love. You know, it's interesting as you were talking about that strand, that thread. Um, I know when we got married, when I got married, we did choose the reading that talked about the three strands. And it's so, I do have that visual sometimes when marriage is hard, I think, but God is that third strand and it will not be broken because he's the third strand. So when you do work with young people and if you do think about what's going on in the world today and people needing healing in their marriages, how do you invite them to bring God deeper into their marriages? Are there ways that you guys just encourage and um, encourage each husband, wife? Well, now, I'm not an expert like Father Pablo because I've, I've listened to him now in different groups. But, you know, even in these last years now since COVID, I do a lot of Skype and FaceTime. And you'd be surprised how many young people from overseas, every place, will call me and talk to me about dating and about wanting to get married and about different, the whole aspect of matrimony. But, you know, there's one thing that... I'm very aware of now that when when we talk to young people, and especially young people who are seeking for the matrimonial vocation, um, that you have to pray for God's perfect plan, mm. and that the feelings of falling in love—that's a feeling. And the thing is that nowadays people cannot even think of permanent commitments. And that's where if you don't know the Lord and if you haven't got the Lord in your life, and that's the beautiful part with, with, with Father, is that I was at a retreat with Father that was for young people. And uh, I, as I was listening to him, you know, and I was thinking, you know, what, this is really what, what these young people need because they're going into these marriages, which marriage is a sacrament, and we talked about the third spin and Jesus is in it. But if you don't know Jesus, it's just the ceremony and it's all this. And this is why there's such poverty in marriage, because they don't know the treasure mm. of what a sacrament is. But after um, in whatever part of the world it was in that we were giving this weekend retreat, I was sitting there listening to him and I was thinking, 
wow, I mean, these are things that you never hear. But afterwards, when we met with some of these beautiful young people and uh, one of those couples was engaged, but um, afterwards they got together and they were very honest and they looked at their backgrounds and they looked at their lives and they decided that they just felt that God hadn't called them to marriage mm. and they broke the engagement, not mm. because they didn't love each other and they're still good friends. And the young man phoned me and he said to me, no, Sister Breach, as Father Pablo was talking, it was like how you make a list of the requirements that make something work. You know, mm-hmm. if you follow the instructions, right. well, he said when Father Pablo was speaking, he said, I was in my head kind of with myself and my girlfriend and my fiance. And he said, I thought it's not going to it's it's not going to come together. It's come together because we're very attracted. And they sat down and talked. And to me, that's um, something that's very important is. And they prayed. Mm-hmm. They really did pray that young couple for God's perfect plan. And they weren't from bad backgrounds or it wasn't some big major thing. But I think I always think of, you know, when I was giving uh, had a Eucharistic healing service and this was a miracle that happened. There was no room in the church. We were out in a park in in a Latin American country. I'm not sure where it was, but it was a lovely, big, long park in the middle of the town. And that's where Father Kevin and I said, Bishop, we set up and we had mass and we had a healing service. Now, there were two people married who lived in the same house and never spoke, went in different doors, didn't get divorced, didn't, but lived this completely broken marriage. You know, a broken marriage. They had no communication with each other and they were just happy doing what they were doing because they were independent. They didn't have to be responsible to anybody. And at exactly the same time as we were praying for married couples and that that Jesus would heal. You know, I always am very sensitive to people who've broken marriages, people who have lost a loved one, people who maybe are divorced or whatever. And because through the eyes of Jesus, we have no idea what they suffered, was it? Mm-hmm. But we were praying and I was praying for for the love of this in marriage and that God would really bless every married couple there and they would be united. And the husband, at the same time, at the other end of this park, fell madly in love with his wife. (laughs) And he starts to look for her, but she had the same. And the two of them met on the park and embraced each other and then renewed their marriage. Oh, Oh that's beautiful. So it does show you, you know, and that's why I'm excited for Father because he he has a, a lot of ministry with them. With that kind, you know, with those kind. But right now, of course, we're also working very much with priests. And can I say something that, <laughs> you know, when when you talk about celibacy, Jesus showed me an image because, you know, a lot of people think because you're a celibate, you can't love and that human love is, out, you know, it's forbidden. And and one day Jesus gave me a beautiful image because I was very close to Father Kevin. I loved him just as I love Father Pablo. But it was a completely different, but it's God's love. Mm -hmm. But he showed me a throne. I get these anointing of my imagination. I saw this image of a throne. And he said, this is not just for celibates. This is for every child of mine. There's a throne in your heart. And that throne 
is at baptism where Jesus wants to sit. Mm. And on that throne, if you allow him to be the Lord, then all these people, first of all, your husband or the people, your friend, he will take on the throne and he'll allow you to experience his love flowing through them and back. And I, I remember thinking, I was in Venezuela giving a retreat and a priest said to me one day, he said, you know, uh, sister, I know you didn't come here with a baby, but at the ma- at mass, I saw you had a big fat baby. <laughs> and I was the only woman there. Bobby Kevin was with me. And he said, and he was a big German, rough looking character. You'd never expect this man. And I was looking and he said, I had a vision. He said, a few. But he said, you know what you did? You took this beautiful, big, fat baby and you went around. There was about 40 of them around in a circle. And he said, I give it to the first priest. And he said, oh, you got scared stiff of the baby. And then the baby smiled a bit and he put his head down and he kissed him. And the baby melted into him. And this priest, not knowing me, and I was working with Father Kevin at the time, not knowing anything, said to me, the femininity in you is needed in my maleness. Mm-hmm. And what you're bringing to to the priesthood and in your ministry is that part that is not always there. Yeah. Our Lady, and I think it's the same with the priest, with working with priests, because so many times people who will come to Father Pablo might be afraid, might have something wrong, but the, the maleness of his masculinity. So in a way, God has a marvelous way of putting people together. He does. He does. Amen. He had a marvelous way of bringing you both to us today. We've been so blessed to have you. And listeners, we know you are blessed as well. Um, Sister Breeze and Father Pablo will be here in Atlanta. You are listening on Wednesday um, here in Atlanta. If you're listening to our the station from the radio, they will be at St. Jude giving a um, mission, a mass and healing service yes. um, at 7 p.m here Wednesday night, and we would love for you to join if you'd like to hear more from them. And they just bring Jesus in beautiful ways to all of us. And so we thank you. We thank you for encouraging us and inspiring us to continue to listen to God's call in our life and just be open to wherever he wants us to surrender our lives to be with him. Father, would you close us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, please enter in our lives. Please send us your Holy Spirit especially to all of the matrimonies, through the passion of your Son. Please enter there. Let them not be afraid. Let them really give each other. Give them the privilege of giving each other. Don't retain their love. You know how much they want to love, how wounded they are without you. Please, Father, allow your love to come to them. Bless them and heal them. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Pablo, oh, Sister Bridge. It has been our ble- our pleasure. Listeners, please join us again here in the family room next week where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.